Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Why don't we give Jesus a round of applause? How about that? Yeah. How about we give him one more round of applause? Yeah. Why don't you have a seat? Um, I know some people are already, they already left to Colombia. And um, some are leaving tonight, tomorrow, in the morning. But uh, I, wanna, I wanna share a word with you before, um, before I leave to Colombia. <laughs> actually, there is a word that I, I, it's been in my heart for a very long time. I've actually uh, begun living it out about eight years ago. And it's changed my life ever since. But I want to begin by sharing with you just a story that I read uh, a long time ago. And I don't know if any of you remember, but it's, uh, I was reading on, I don't know if you call it an article. It's more like a, like a bunch of small stories, I guess, of history. And uh, anybody ever eaten the pizza Red Baron? Red Baron pizza. Raise your hand if you have. It's pretty good, right? You got, you got to add some cheese, but it's pretty good. I, I like it. Usually find it, uh, it's the cheaper one of the bunch. No, it's actually really, really good. Um, but I didn't know this, but uh, Red Baron has a name and Red Baron has a story. Uh, Frere von Richthofen, and uh, he's from Germany, right? He's a famous German First World War pilot. Now, he's known to be the best. Um, the Red Baron uh, flew a distinctive red aircraft. Check this out. He shot down more combat planes than anyone else on their side in the First World War. His kill tally was 80 shot down planes. So he shot down 80 planes on his own. On 21st of April, 1918, he began chasing a Canadian plane that was trying to escape the battle over the Moorland Court Ridge near the River Summit. As the Red Baron pursued his prey, he strayed behind allied lines. He dived too low into the enemy lines. And he also missed a Canadian pilot, Arthur Roy Brown, coming up on his tail to help his comrade. He will, we will never know whether it was a shot from the ground or a shot from Brown that killed Rick Stuffin. But what we do know is that the Red Baron came to his end because he made the mistake of pursuing that allied plane too long, too far, and too low into enemy territory. As one reports so succinctly, check this out. Isn't it the same way with a lot of believers, a lot of Christians, that they get shot down by the enemy? They get their faith destroyed. They, their dreams are thwarted because they pursue a little bit too long, too low, Am I making sense? That sometimes there's some things that God is asking you to let go of. There's some things that God is asking you to be radical. And sometimes, instead of saying, God, yes, I will let that go. I will not pursue the enemy onto his territory. Right? I am done going after the enemy. I want to go after you, Lord. And I believe today God wants to do something in your life. We just finished a 21-day fast. Amen. Give God a round of applause. And... I, and I heard some amazing answers to prayers. I've been getting hit up all the time, just bombarded by people saying, ah, yeah. Oh, hay traducción. Si quieren traducción, se está traduciendo 
eh, solamente son 50 dólares, se los dan a Jasmine para Colombia. No, no es cierto. No. Uh, uh, but anyway, so, uh, yeah, hay traducción. Uh, but, what was it? Oh, yeah, yeah, we just finished fasting. So, uh, I wanted to share with you this word because it's actually where we got the Daniel fast from. It is where the beginning of the Daniel fast, so to speak, the first four people to do the Daniel fast. How many? Four. It wasn't Daniel, by the way. Daniel gets all the credit. But he also had some homies to go with it, right? Now, you go, these guys, these guys are pretty amazing. But I want to share with you something uh, that most people don't really talk about when they think about Daniel fasting. But the, one of the, the first thing that Daniel fast represented was a man taking a stand, right? It was a man taking a stand. What, is, what does it mean to take a stand? You get picked on, you get pushed on, and eventually you do what? You fight back, right? You said, that's it, I'm tired of this. I'm going to take a stand right here, right now. Have you guys ever gone to the, to the water, to the, uh, anybody, you know, to the beach? Thank God we're near the beach. But you see those huge waves, and you try to stand your ground, right? And then if they're small enough, you feel tough. But if they're huge, then you end up on your, on your neck. You know what I mean? But it's like sometimes in order to take a stand, you got to get so long, rah, you dive into it. I love doing that on the waves. Uh, some people like surfing them. I like to beat them up. Nah, just kidding. But, uh, uh, or they actually destroy me. But one of the things that I love, love, love about it is just the feel of pressure against you. And one of the things that I want to share with you today is that if you never fight back, if you never take a stand in your Christian life, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you will always, always, always be a weak believer. You'll always be a shadow of what God called you to be. The reason we fasted is because God wants to do something great in your life. In every one of your lives. I believe 100% that God wants to do something incredible with each one of you. But at some point you're going to have to take stands. And some of you in here, maybe, just maybe, God is asking you to take a stand in a specific area of your life. And if there isn't, trust me, the next week or the week after that you will have to take a stand. Where do you take your stand? Where do you say, hey, that's enough, devil, back off? Makes sense? Where do you say, hey, you know what, world, whatever it is you're pressuring me, pressuring me into, uh, I don't think so. There's a line right here. Do you have lines? Are you known for a person with boundaries? Or are you known for a person of whatever, whatever goes, anything happens? I ask her, she might do it, right? Or are you the kind of person that people could say, hey, that person's got some values. That person has some Commitment. That person is someone with not just values but also convictions. I want to take you to the word now, and let's go quickly. And uh, I'm gonna get. Uh, I'm gonna go fast and furious. You guys ready? Yeah. All right. Daniel chapter one, verse one through seven. I don't know if we have it up there. Chapter one through seven. No. Chapter one, verse one through seven. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. What's besieged? Thank you. No one else. All right. Trapped it. Stopped it. Right. Got it. Um, anyway, situated it. All right. Cool, cool, cool. So besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim of Judah into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God. Check this out. With some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Little G. Whenever you see a God... The word God in the Bible, if it has a big G, like a capital G, that means it's talking about the real God. If you ever see God with tiny little G with a, a, a undercaps, is that what it's called? Yeah? 
then that's talking about any random God that people could pick like, hey, let's, let's make a God. Does that make sense? An idol. And so what happens here is that the enemy takes over the people of God. They beat them up. They, 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 they situate them. They, they besiege them. And they literally take their articles from the church and they take it into their own God's church. That's kind of weird, right? Like, I mean, if, if you think of someone invading somebody else, they're not going to, the first thing they think of, they're not going to go, oh, let's go take the, the communion table. Yeah, let's take a communion table. <laughs> you know, like this is, this is what the enemy is doing. The enemy is telling them, I own you and your God can't help you. This is what the enemy would do, would demoralize them by telling them your God has no power to act on your behalf. How do you know? Because I own his stuff and he can't do anything about it. And it's crazy because that's a, the, the mind games that the enemy plays. And the world that we live in is a world like that. That says, hey, I thought your God was good. I thought your God was strong. But look at what's happening in the world. Look at the pain. Look at the sorrow. Look at your life. Why aren't you bawling? Am I making sense? Well, if God is so strong, why are you single? If God is so strong, then why is your mom sick? Is God, if God is so strong, why did you go through what you've gone, what you've gone through? Have you never heard these kind of arguments? If God is good, then why do bad things happen to good people? All kinds of things that say, hey, your God is getting his butt kicked. And we have the articles in our court. We have money. You don't have money. Am I making sense? Doesn't it belong to God? Isn't the, the, the money of the, uh, of the world that belong to the Lord? All riches in heaven belong to him and on earth? Is he not creator of the universe? And we live in a world that says, your God has no power to do anything. And I got the articles to prove it. And it's amazing because when I see this, I realize this, that people have all kinds of arguments and they think that because they have some temporary victories, they have eternal glory. And that is not the truth. Just because there's some temporary victories, it does not mean that they are triumphant and triumphant eternally. Some people say, well... Show me the evidence that there is a God. All I see is that there's, you know, there's bad evil in the world and all these bad things in the world. I put it like this. Sometimes when people have that argument, I would invite you to say something to this effect. Well, I see some people with dreadlocks. I see some people with long beards. I see some people with like a long, long, long hair. Does that mean that there's no barbers in the world? Does that mean that there's no, or is it just people don't go to the barber, or they don't want to go to the barber, or they forgot to go to the barber? Hello. Does that make sense? But when the world tells you, hey, God's not doing his job, I believe 100% that the enemy's number one strategy is not to destroy God. He can't destroy God. His number one strategy is to discredit God. It's crazy because in the way that the enemy operated back then, Babylon, is the same way that the enemy operates today. Did you know that? Let me go a little bit further. Verse 3. The king instructed Asphenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. Check this out. Verse 4. Young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, and had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. So this is the next thing he does. The enemy takes the young people. He takes the men particularly. And he takes the young people. He takes the best looking, the smartest, the, the, the how do you say, the, the, the hard body, so to speak. The enemy still does the same thing. He tries to tell you that 
he will take everything and his emphasis is always on looks, youth, power. Isn't it amazing how Babylon thinks? And isn't it amazing that our world seems so much like a Babylon where what people care most about is the looks, the appearance, the intelligence, what do you think you have? Yet when I look at the word of God and I see in my scripture, when I see in my Bible, God's values are completely different. Let me read to you what Babylon considers important versus what God considers important. Because Babylon's trying to teach people not to be a Babylonian, but to be just like them. Meaning, what the world tries to do is not to tell you you can't be a believer, you can't be a Christian. You could be a Christian, you just have to act like us. Or you could say you're a, you're a Christian, just don't say it too loud. You could say you love God, just make sure it doesn't offend anybody. I'm not making sense. The other day is the first time I ever heard Jesus referred to as the J God, the J word. I'm not going to say anything about it, but someone told him, oh, as long as you don't say the J word. I said, J word? I know the F word. I know the S word, but I don't know the J word. Am I making sense with what I'm saying? In a world that tells you, hey, you can say you're a believer, just don't really believe. Am I making sense? Hey, you can, now, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be wisdom practice. You're not going to just go and, you know what I mean, start praying in tongues in the middle of your interview and hope to get the job. Amen? Right, right, right. But what I am saying is that when God does give you the job, when does, God does put you in a, in, a, in a school environment, when God puts you somewhere, you need to know what you're doing there. You need to understand why God placed you in this world. Why it is that God set you in this beautiful planet, in this beautiful context. And I guess I would tell you this, that you are in the world, but it doesn't mean you're a part of the world. Amen. Just because you're here, it does not mean that you belong here. I know this is going to sound really funny to some of you guys. But I, have you ever heard, felt like, eh, I don't really belong here. And I'm not saying like a church. I'm not saying like in your family. Maybe in your family. I don't know. You know, you're like, I'm too good looking for my family. Why don't we ask it? No, no. Or maybe you're the ugly duckling. I don't know. You know, but to, to understand that, that, hey, you won't, listen, you will never fully fit in this world. I know it sounds weird. Some of you, oh, no, I know. Because you belong to the kingdom of heaven. Like, to say, I belong here, it's like, ah, yeah. You mean you've adapted so well to where you can get along, to where you can become even better than the people that you're working with at what they're doing. But it does not mean that this is your world. It does not mean that this is what you live for. Let me break it down like this. Unless you truly understand what God placed you here for, you will always be at the mercy of what the world gives you and offers you. You will never be able to conquer whatever you're begging for. Am I making sense? How could you conquer something that you desperately need? Let me go back. How could you conquer something that you desperately need? You can't. Because that has already held you hostage. That has already held you hostage. Today I have a message that I don't know if, like I told you, seven years ago this gripped my spirit. It gripped my heart. And when it gripped my heart, the world lost grip of my life. And if I can get it into your spirit, I believe some of you in here. We'll be able to tell the world, I don't care what you say of me. I care what my God says of me. This is where I take a stand. When you first understand that this world will fade, this world will pass. And I'm not here to tell you when. I don't know about the Aztec calendar. I'm not a numerologist. And I'm no fool to tell you when the world will end. Because the Bible says that no one knows. No one knows. Literally, literally, no one knows. Jesus didn't even try to tell you. When Jesus was in this world, he wasn't concerned about that. 
You know what he was concerned about? You changing the world. Amen? Not when it ended. Hey, when it ends, we get no more opportunity to bring him to heaven. And so I hope it lasts a long time because we need time. Amen? So the first thing is this, that the enemy will tell you how to live. Oh, he will respect what you say, but he will not respect who you are. Now, why do I tell you this? You become angry and militant and start posting weird stuff. That's not why I'm telling you this. It's because way, the way that the enemy will tell you is this. This is the standard. This is the model. This is the jig. Anybody know what a jig is? Getting jiggy with it? No? Anybody? Nobody knows what a jig? Anybody? What's a jig, Marcos? It makes everything easier for you. A jig is a model. A jig is... I love jigs now. When you do fabrication, you make a model of something, and that jig helps you reproduce everything you are seamlessly and perfectly. It's like the model maker, okay? And I want you to know this, that the world has a certain jig, but God has a different jig, as in his, his name is Jesus. And so the way the world says is this versus what God says. Now, the world I'm going to call Babylon for this, for this next 15 minutes. Is that okay? So the world's name is what? Babylon. Babylon. Babylon's philosophy is this. This is everything I have obtained. Look at this. But God says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. The world says, or Babylon says, I have to be concerned about me. But God says, consider others better than yourself. Babylon says, love those who love you and hate those who hate you. The Bible says, love those who hate you and bless those who curse you. Oh, Lord. Babylon says, do whatever you want. As long as it doesn't hurt everybody or anybody. But the Bible says, deny yourself and follow me. Babylon says, get as much as you can, as fast as you can. And the Bible says, give all that you can. Babylon says, store up for yourself treasures here, right now, while you can. But the Bible says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Can you see the different values? Can you see the system, how different it is? How Babylon places so much emphasis on looks Appearances, youth, power, good looks. Ladies, there's not that many of us out there like this. <laughs> just kidding. It's just kidding. I'm taking over. It's kidding. No, no, no. I mean, no, no. What I'm trying to tell you is this, that everything eventually sags. Everything eventually falls. Everything eventually goes. Everything, everything. The Bible says that from dust you've come unto dust you'll return. You ever thought about that? Anybody ever thought about that? Why the Bible would ever say that? Have you guys ever thought about how God will tell you, I raised you from dust, and to that you'll become again. I love what the Word of God says here. It says that these Babylonians took these kids, these young people, brought them into their own system, began to teach them their own customs. They would teach them astro astrology, mathematics, history, language. They would teach them everything. And listen to this, these four young men, actually the 10,000 the 10, they took, but specifically these four young men, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. Listen, these four young men began to, tell God, began to figure this out, like we're going to be better in this system. We're going to learn your history. We're going to learn the language. We're going to learn mathematics. Oh, we're going to be all right. We're going to be really good at this. But you will not change who we are. This is what happens. They, take, they took them into their, their system, away from their families, and began to indoctrinate them. This is what happens next in verse 6. Now, from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, 
and Azariah. Those are the real names. Those are the names their godly parents gave them as prophetic, beautiful names. Listen to this. Daniel means God is judge. Isn't that a pretty good name? Any Daniels in here? God is your judge. That's what it says. Hey, what's your name? God's my judge. What about you? What? Tell me that's not a cool name. I just, or called Daniel the Tiger, but either one's really cool, right? Uh, but then they changed his name to Betshazzar, which means Mabel, which is one of their what gods be over you. So instead of saying the Lord Yahweh is my God, now it's saying, oh, no, no, one of these idols is your God now. Then they changed Hananiah's name. And they change it to Shadrach. Shanana means gracious. Yahweh is gracious. Isn't it amazing? That your name is Yahweh. God is so gracious. What's your name? God is gracious. Ooh, Lord. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I can see that. You know, God is, if it's a girl, imagine. Mm, yeah. What's your name? Ananiah. Okay. Anyway, so God is gracious. But they change it to Shadrach. Means under the command of Aku, another, which is the moon god. So from God is gracious to under the command of the moon god. Mishael, which means who is like God or godly. And yet they gave him Meshach, who is like Iku, which is another one of their white gods. Belshazzar, right? Belshazzar, um, they, they changed it to, Sh uh, to Shadrach. Um, no, no, uh, where am I, where am I? No, and Azariah, this is my favorite. Azariah, whom God will help. Isn't that amazing? What's your name? God's going to help me. What's your name? God will help me. What a beautiful name. And they call him Abednego. Not Abednego. Abednego. Uh, and the servant of Nebu. The servant of who? Isn't it weird how the world will tell you, oh, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. That's not your real name. This is your real name. You say you're a son of God, but in reality, you're broke. Oh, yeah, you said God will help you, but in reality, you're going to be alone the rest of your life. Oh, yeah, you say God is your God, but in reality, you're depressed. And they'll give you all sorts of different names, all sorts of different titles, and Yet I know a God who loves you so much, who gave you a name. The Bible says that he knew you before you ever existed. And your first name, I don't know if you know this, is child. And your last name is, no, your middle name is off and your last name is God. So child of God is your name. That's my name. Whenever I'm not playing, I remember I used to take a really, it used to be really, really hard for me to get some, some contracts. I don't know if I ever told you guys about this because I would be really intimidated by by people of power and certain people. And so I understood this seven years, no, more than seven years ago, this concept came. And I was like, hey, I'm a child of God. I was adopted by God. I don't know if you know how beautiful it is to be adopted, but adopted by God, that's just a whole nother level of like coolness. And so when I stepped into a somebody's office, whoever it is, I don't care who it is, you may be rich, you may have a company, you may have this, you may have 2,000 employees, but I'm a child of God. So uh, let's talk. Not equal to equal, fine, you could come to my level. Am I making sense? It doesn't mean you're better than other people. It means that you know who you are. You're a child of God. Whenever the world tries to tell you, I'm sorry, son, you will amount to nothing, you will tell them, I'm sorry, bro, I'm already everything. I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. No matter what the world calls you, no matter what the world tells you, hey, listen, even the enemy will try to change your name to unfaithful. And I'll just tell you this, every time you'll tell him, hey, whatever you want to say to me, I'm a child of God. You call me child, that's all. Last name, God. <laughs> child of God. Amen? Amen? Let me go a little bit further in this. This is something that 
I absolutely love, and I, use, I normally share this with the story of me in the cafeteria about to get beat up by like a bunch of people, but then the Lord sends my brother to the rescue. I'm not going to tell you this story because I want to share something a little bit different. Listen, I know, I know, I like the story too. But whenever, whenever Daniel, we're going to call them their, their new names because he's the one who I remember, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Doesn't it just flow? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego? No? Anyway, so uh, they're bad names, I know. But they're sitting there, they're in this cafeteria, and the king is serving them this incredible food. Listen, serving them the best wine, ribeye, you know, like ribs. You know, it's giving them everything, enchiladas, everything you can imagine, like, like, like king's food. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you like enchiladas, but definitely his shrimp were not like, Maruchan or like cup of noodle shrimp. They were like real shrimp, you know, like boom, lobster looking shrimp. And, um, and so they have this, this bunch of food and these 10,000 kids. Think about this. 10,000 young people just got taken. 10,000 young men just got taken from their families. Now, I don't know if they were balling back at home, but they come into the king's palace and they have a huge party and they have all kinds of food and they're being taught the, through the best education. They're complete full ride to some of the best schools. By the way, Babylon was it. There was no greater nation back then than Babylon. It was like Babylon and then nothing else. And now they were being taught the best things in the world by the best schools in the world, eating the best food in the world. Am I making sense? This is Babylon telling them, you could be part of our country. You could be part of our nation. This is the best. And check this out. You're going to eat the, the king's food. Now, this is where I think it's really interesting. These guys, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they take a stand in the worst possible moment. They don't take a stand when they get taken from their family. They don't fight back. They don't say, we're not going to be like this. We're going to fight to death. Who's with me? Like none of that. Am I making sense? They change their names and they're not going to be like, no, this is my mama's name. Ah, she gave it to me. You know what I'm saying? Like this is, they, they don't take a stand anywhere. They don't say, hey, I'm not going to, nah, I'm not going to learn this. This is not my school. This is not what my parents taught me. None of this. They don't take a stand when they dress them up differently and they don't take a stand in anything. They take a stand in the cafeteria. I mean it. Like they're sitting there wearing the robes. They got their new names. They probably got makeup on their eyes. And now they take a stand. Now why are they taking a stand in the cafeteria? What is it about this particular moment that Daniel and his three buddies decide to say, uh-uh. We're not going to do this. We're going to fast. Wait a minute. The king is offering you the best he has to offer, and you decide to fast? Did it happen to you guys during the fast that you're like, I'm fasting, and then at work they have a banquet. You're like, really? Today, out of all the days in the entire world, like now you bring pizza. You know what I mean? Like, did you, okay, I took, I took some kids out, and uh, like uh, Gianni and Nani and, and Elijah and Josiah, and Little Caesars never looked so good before. Did it happen to you guys? Like, Little Caesars, never something you want to eat until you, like, you're fasting. You're like, mm. <laughs> it's like, is that ribeye on top of the soup? <laughs> like, is that pepperoni or, like, tri-tip? It, it just looks, it, it's amazing. And so this is what's happening to these men. They're saying, you know what? This is too much. We're taking a stand. We're drawing a line. 
We can be here. We can learn everything. You can teach us everything you want. But there's something that we will not allow. And that is to change us on the inside. Oh, you could change me on the outside. You could dress me up. You could change my name. But here, I know who I am. Am I making sense? There's deep core values, deep convictions that my God has placed in me. And I will not defile myself with the king's choice food. This is literally what they say. I love this part. In Daniel verse 8 it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies. It says, He purposed in his heart. He purposed in his heart. He purposed in his heart. Now listen, Daniel could have never, never, ever prayed the moment he should have prayed if he didn't take this stand. If you don't know this, but a few chapters later, Daniel is finding himself in the lion's den, about to be torn to pieces by a bunch of hungry beasts. And this is what Daniel does. Hey, I'm still going to pray. No matter what, no matter who, I don't care if it's Lions in front of me trying to tear me apart. I will pray to my God. Whoever likes it or doesn't like it, I will pray to my God. This is crazy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what, Daniel? Just not, not during this time. You know, this time we're really busy. No, don't, don't pray to your God this time. Can I tell you this? I used to work for Wells Fargo back in the day, the stagecoach. And, uh, and back when I was at Wells Fargo, there was this lady. She was a Muslim. Her name was Farsana. Farsana, I became good, really good friends. She was a devout Muslim. I remember she took two extra breaks than other people did. Now, I thought this was really interesting because every time Farsana would go back, nobody would say anything. She would go and she would take her, her knees and she would do her prayer. She'd face Ramadan and she'd begin to pray. Now, this is crazy because whenever we were there, listen to this. I remember one specific time I was in my lunch break and I bowed my head to pray. And someone came in and said, oh, excuse me, um... You're making some people uncomfortable. I was like, dude, I'm saying grace. I know, I know, but um, I'll, I, I, honestly, all I say is I'll pray for you too. Listen, sometimes, so I'm not playing. So yeah, I'll pray for you too. And I know where that came from. My boss was a complete atheist, like angry atheist. He wasn't like a smart atheist. He was like an angry, emotional atheist that I hate church or I hate God and he doesn't exist. Like, how could you hate something that doesn't exist, right? It's, double stupid but but this guy but this guy was so angry against it like he'd say he'd send his you know his 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 lady his I don't know what he call it his his head his uh henchman henchman yeah yeah like don't go get him you know what I mean and uh and I, I was like you know do whatever you want to do you can fire me but I'm gonna thank God for my food whether you like it or not I'll pray for you too now why is it that the world will tell you we'll respect everything but just not a real believer in a place where in God we trust, in a place where it was literally founded upon Judeo-Christian values, where people literally escaped, came to this beautiful land to seek freedom of praise and worship to that God that you and I call God. And now in a land where you can be vile, you can be nasty, man, on, on media you can put some of the worst garbage ever. You know what? But as soon as you mention God, someone's bound to get angry. You can say, oh, yeah, you know, I slept with five girls. And some men will, hey, hey, hey. but you say, hey, God loves you. Ah, don't bring that stuff over here, bro. 
Isn't it amazing how in, that, in this, uh, I don't know if people are talking about this or not, but I know in my heart, I work in government, right? I translate for, for, the, city of uh, for the city of Maywood right down the road. And the other day we were praying, you know, it's called the invocation. And uh, they call it invocation. And so I get to translate all the agendas for the council members, for the city council and all that, the mayor. He asked people to pray. And there was this one guy, he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. And you can see some people go, <clears throat> if I get to pray, I'm going to pray over the city. I'm going to pray for the mayor. I'm going to pray for them, pray for the family, for the children. I'm going to do like an hour prayer. I'm just kidding. I'm just going to, you know, cancel the meeting in the name of Jesus, you know. No, no, no. You know what? There's a time and there's a place for everything. But one thing is this. When and who decided that the J word could not be taught anymore? I'm going to ask you seriously, when and who decided that Jesus Christ used to be God? Who decided that the articles are in Babylon? Who decided, I'm asking you a genuine question in your schools. Who decided that it's bad to be a genuine believer? Who decides? The reason I tell you this is because if your Christianity doesn't cost you anything, then it's worth nothing. Now, I know, like I said, there's got to be wisdom. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't go grab the king or the, the, the food of the king, went up to the king and said, here you go, bah! I will not eat this. They didn't do that. They said, no, I'm going to take a stand. There's some things that I'll do, some things I won't do. The other day, I had to translate some things, and uh, there's some just nasty stuff, you know. And I took a stand, and I said, no, you know, I'm sorry, my... Uh, my conscience, will, and that's what the way I said it, I didn't say I, my, it's not biblical. I said, my conscience will not allow me to translate these things. I said, oh, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll respect that. You have to learn, you have to be wise. You have to learn the language, you have to speak the language, but you have to be strong and you have to be radical. The reason I tell you this is because this nation, this world, does not respect soft and weak Christians. This nation does not respect soft or weak Christians, but they will respect fortitude. What is fortitude? It is men and women of God that take a stand at some point and not do it annoyingly. Does that make sense? You could take your stand and you could say, this is who I am. This is who I'll always be. And you could never change who God made me to be. This is where I take my stand. Yeah, but the whole world's sleeping around. Yeah, but this is where I take my stand. Hey, but the laws are changed. But this is where I take my stand. Am I making sense? You can never grow a church. Listen to this. You could never grow a church, a real church, by not taking stands. You could only truly grow the church by taking stands. Oh, you can grow a bunch of people. You could have a great get-together. But the actual church of God only grows by taking stands. It's called working out. The only way that the true church of God will grow is by taking stands. And I want to ask you, what stands are you taking one stand that I decided to take a long time ago is I will not by any way or mean or straight I will not speak ill of women no matter what I remember being in college a Christian college and all the dudes were talking nasty of women all of I mean all the whole football team and there will happen to be some girls there. We were at a dorm. We were hanging out. Everybody was, you know, we we're watching some movie. And the movie got so boring. They just turned down the volume. Everybody started talking. Blah, blah, blah. And at some point, I said, this is the stand I took. And the jokes, some of the jokes, I wanted to laugh. Listen, because some of those guys were really stupid. And I wanted to laugh because that was actually funny. But I will not laugh because I'm taking a stand. And I fought with everything. And I was like, okay, I got to go. But this is actually my place. 
and I'm not going to just leave. And I remember sitting there, this girl named Shannon, she wrote me a letter later and said, thank you so much for not laughing at those things. I was so embarrassed. I was so angry. I just thought maybe this will stop. And if I leave, maybe they won't hang out with me again. Listen, thank you so much. These were her little words for taking a stand and being a real Christian man. Now, I didn't say anything. I didn't say, oh, guys, you know what? This is not biblical. Let's not do this. It was simple stand. It was saying, no, I'm not going to laugh at this. I will, not take, I will not go down that direction. This is college, football guys. But you have to take your stands. Let me ask you, where are your stands? Where do you draw lines in your life? Do you have lines? Do you have stands? Are you a believer who actually believes? Let me take it to the last piece. These men, they said, I, don't, I could just see it there, right? They're in the cafeteria. Everybody's getting their trays, you know, their food and, you know, the plate. You guys been to Hometown Buffet? Anybody been to Hometown Buffet? Yeah, wherever you see people, like, they act like it's not a buffet. They act like you just get only one time. And they, like, pack it up to here. It's like, they, they just fill, fill the tray instead of the plate. It's like, keep it going. Do you know what I'm saying or no? It's like, bro, it's coming around. Like, you know there's more behind that door. It's coming out. But, but I could just see that. Like, they like like they're in Hometown Buffet, like, you know, like, just grabbing a bunch of food. And you have Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or let's just call them by the real name. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And they're just down the line, and they're, everybody's just grabbing stuff. And Daniel's like, mm, um, no, I'm okay, thanks. Oh, you, you don't want ribs? Nah, nah, I'm all right, thanks. Oh, tri-tip? Nah, I want tri-tip either. What do you want? Um, <coughs> salad. What do you want? Uh... Just put some ranch, some ranch dressing on it. He looks around and says, hey. He looks at his Jewish fellow man. Hey, this is not right. This is pork. We cannot eat this. And they're looking around. This is not what our parents taught us. Everybody's like, this guy. What a, what a prude. And you know, you guys don't use that word anymore? We used to use it back in the day. And so everybody's looking around and they're like, ah, forget this dude. Who's with me, guys? No one. Hey! Everybody just keeps piling it on. Are you not a Hebrew? Are you not Jewish? And all of a sudden, this guy, about seven guys down, is like, hey, I'm with you. Everybody's quiet. What's your name? Sadrach. Call me Shady. <laughs> Puts a rib back. Throws the food back. Hey, you can't do that. I don't know. You could take it. Just give me what he's having. Hey, we're with you too. Two twin brothers over there. What is your name? Doesn't matter. Just come over here. These four guys now will sit together for the remainder of the time. They'll become so different than the other group. They'll become so distinct. So much so that the king notices. Now, the guy that was feeding them was responsible over their lives to make sure that they grew strong. And he said to them, you know what? You have to eat this food. My head is riding on this. If you're weak at the end of this term, the king will kill me, not you, because I didn't take care of you. You know, God gave them grace even before people that didn't know the Lord. And said, listen, this is where I take my stand. This is where I take my stand. You just watch how strong I will be at the end of this time. You will see how God's favor will be on my life. And the word of God says that these four young men became so strong, became so amazing, that, listen, 
they were used by God to transform this entire nation. Not too long after that, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be finding themselves in the midst of flames, bound, about to be thrown into the worst possible situation they could ever face. And you know what they said? God can save us. But even if he doesn't, we still will not bow to you, king. Now, here's where everything comes together, guys. You will never, ever be able to say those kind of things unless you first have a calf moment. Unless you first find yourself in the cafeteria and say, uh-uh, this is where I take my stand. A lot of people want to say no to the girl or no to the guy once they're already naked, laying in bed. A lot of people want to say no to the girl, no to the guy, once they're already by themselves and like, hey guys, God help me, God help, please help me. A little bit too late. Cafeteria was the right time. Some people want to say no to specific things at work. Hey bro, but you've already done all this. Come on, now you want to do this? You've, come on, we know you. Because that's what they'll say. It's so hard, isn't it, to say, no, I will not do this. Once you've done everything else. Let me ask you this. Where do you take your stand? Great victories in the kingdom of God. Great victories as disciples of Jesus. Begin with the small, tiny, insignificant, salad-like decisions. It does not begin with fire. It does not begin with lions. It does not begin with all the king's amazement and all the, all the wars won and conquered. The biggest battle you will fight is in the cafeteria. It's those tiny little things that you say, no, I'm going to draw a line right here. And I will not cross it. This is how you become a real disciple of Jesus Christ. By saying, I have certain things that I just will not do. There's certain things that I will not accept in my spirit. The reason I bring this up is because if, you're ever gonna grow, if you are going to grow, which I believe this year you will. A hundred percent. I'm telling you guys, it's nuts. It's insane what God's going to do. No, what he's already doing. I, it, it's, a, it's ridiculous. It's, it's amazing. But that without true conviction will fall apart so quick. We're going to play some, a song. We're going to you know, pray and everything. But I wanted to make sure that this message comes out very clear. So I'm not going as fast as I normally could. Here's what I want to tell you. Growth is coming. I'm coming fast. I'm coming strong. I was praying and... I really felt so excited in my heart. I was like, man, Lord, this is amazing. Like, I can't wait to see what's happening. Like, I cannot wait to see. I already saw it, but I can't wait to see it with my physical eyes. Am I making sense? Like, I am already, like, boiling in here in my tummy. I don't know if you guys know what I'm saying. I'm like, mm, it's going crazy. I feel like back when I used to play football, and it's kickoff, and you're about to go down, and you're about to kick off, and you're about to run down and hit something. You feel like this butter feeling in your stomach. You're like, ooh, ready to go. That's how I feel right now. But... I felt a message in my heart to say to you, it's worth nothing if you crumble. And it's worth nothing if you don't know how to take stands. God will give, give you so many people. To, he will trust you. God wants to trust you. His blessings follow obedience. That's the last thing. But you cannot, you cannot for one second think that you have luxuries that other people have. I don't have certain luxuries. Oh, I have some privileges, but not certain luxuries. I can do some things that other people can't. For example, not everybody can call someone right now and say, hey man, 
Can you pray with me? I can call at least 12 men that will say, yeah, let's pray together. Can you guys meet me at 3 in the morning? I'm going through something. Let's pray. I'll see you there, Pastor. I have that. That's a beautiful thing. That's something you have as well. You have a leader that you can call and say, hey, can you pray for me? That's, it's beautiful. It's precious. But there's some things that I don't have. I don't have the luxury that I should leave at 3 in the morning and go meet some girl somewhere. You know why I don't have that? Because I have a stand. I have a cafeteria moment. I am different than those men. Can I say this to you? Please listen. If you don't take your small stands right now, you will get eaten by the lions. You will burn in the fire. If you take your stand in the cafeteria, if you say, I will not defile myself in these ways, then when the real trial comes, it'll be so much easier. I love you guys so much. I believe God's going to bless you financially. I believe God's going to bless you emotionally. Ministerially speaking, you will grow. This year is so purposeful. You have no idea how much you will grow. But you need to take a stand. Where are your stands? As a husband, today, my stands as a husband now are my stands as a pastor. My stands as a son became my stands as a boyfriend. Listen, my stands as a student became my stands as a teacher. Your stands today as a single person will be your stands when you get married. The problem is that the enemy is always pushing the envelope. Always saying, is that still your stance? Has it changed? Let me finish like this. You don't need values in your life. You need convictions. You need principles. A value changes with time. What's the price of gas today, roughly? It will change with a new precedent. It will change as the elections come. That's a value. It goes up. And down. But let me ask you this. What is gravity? It's a principle. It's a law. It's a pull. If I jump right now, gravity will pull me down. It's constant. You could try to fight it, baby, but it's still there. Am I making sense? No matter what, no matter who, as long as you're on this earth, you will find gravity. Why? Because that is a law. Do you have laws in your spirit that say, I will pray, I will do my devotional, I will be transparent, I will not lie. Listen, the other day, it was so simple. I almost, it was so weird. It was almost like the enemy said, come on. I want to return something that shouldn't have been returned. And I was like, they asked me a question. And if I answered that question, I would have gotten my money back. And I was like, inside of me, the enemy's like, come on. I was like, oh, no, you know what? Mm -mm. It was 200 bucks. It wasn't that much. But that's how much the enemy wanted to buy my integrity for. Is how much is your integrity worth? $200? Ah, come on. It wasn't that much. Like I said, 200 bucks. But that would have been my integrity. Do you have stands? Do you take stands? You know I'm going to talk about tithing. Ah, there you go. No, no, no. I mean, how much is your integrity worth? Now, let me talk a little bit about something a little bit, a little bit different. How about lust? Because I know lust is a factor in young people's lives like no business. Not only guys, by the way. Girls are lustful too. They're just more like bourgeois about it. <laughs> guys are just not as smart about it. But the truth is this. Men and women both struggle with lust. How long, I'm going to ask you this. How long will that last? And what will it leave, leave you with? Am I making sense? How long will that last? And what will it leave you with? 
how much is it worth to you? How much is it worth? Because that's what the enemy puts, that's the prize the enemy puts into it. Your faith, worth five minutes. Come on. Five minutes. Give me five minutes. How much is your faith worth? And those stands, the more stands you take, the stronger you get. It's working out. You're pushing back. You're saying, I will not have this. Please stand up with me for a second. <clears throat> we want the title of being Christian. God wants you to have the testimony. We want salvation and all the blessings. God wants our obedience. We want all the perks that come with having a great God. God wants to impact every aspect of your life. Every aspect of your life. Today, like I said, I, every time I'm, I'm going to preach, I'm going to give you guys a little secret whenever you're preaching. Whenever you preach, you have to first imagine how things will play out. If you're going to preach something, you cannot just preach and hope something happens. You have to pray and have enough faith that God will move specifically in people's lives through specific words he's given to you. That's called Rema. When you have a Rema, you want to share it. Can I tell you this? This message could have all been summarized in just simple things. How long will you put you above him? How long will your excuses be enough to surpass his commandments? Am I making sense? I have so many reasons, you guys. So many reasons to tell you today why you should take your stand and say, this as a man, I will not do. And I'm not talking about stupid i'm sorry you use that word dumb stands boo-boo stands that the world teaches i'm talking about god convictions biblical stands jesus-like character stands not like hey this is what my mom taught me you know what my mom might have been wrong all her life you know what my mom used to teach me my mom used to teach me to pretend like nothing was wrong and so be happy and that's just not true some things are wrong and need to be fixed that is true is it or not? But just because my mom taught me, it doesn't mean it's the truth. So I went back to the Word after my wife confronted me. I looked at the Word of God and I realized that Jesus never pretended like nothing was wrong. Jesus would pray. He, oh man, Jesus would fight. He would do whatever it took, but he would get things done. And I said, you know what? I'm done doing that. I'm taking a stand. If I see something, I'm going to call it. You know how much it costed me? It took me a long time to change that wrong pattern of behavior. But when I changed it, it became so much easier to say, ah, oh, this is not the way things are going to go down. We're not going to pretend like it's okay for you to play the keyboard or something. By the way, Georgie is awesome. Did not, this doesn't relate to George. But there's churches that say, hey, I don't care if you're sleeping around. You can play the keys. You can lead us in worship. Let's just pretend nothing's happening. Let's just pretend like you're okay because you're a great player, by the way, and you're a great singer. But as a pastor, you know how important it is to say, I don't care if we use the iPod. I don't, I, I, that's how bad it is, iPod. We don't even use iPods anymore. Right? I don't care if we Spotify it every single Friday, Sunday. I don't care. We will take a stand. Now, this is important for me as a pastor. But what's important for you today as a child of God, maybe as a cell leader? What are your stands, your biblical stands? I invite you guys to just today. It's a very beautiful day. And I honestly, I feel really bad for those that were not here. 
because their foundation will be weaker for it. I'm not saying that they are, they can never grow. No, no, no. I'm saying like the next time something comes up, they won't have this word in the spirit. But you will. You'll be able to say, hey, I'm taking a stand today. When at work, they push you to do something that you shouldn't do. Say, I'm taking a stand. Nadia's boyfriend was asked to do something at work that he shouldn't do. This was a Christian company to pretend like they were going to charge this much and then they were going to keep this money and all these things. Like the boss was telling him, he said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. He said, well, you can't work here if you can't do this. He said, but I need this job, but you can't work this. Hey, but we're Christian. I know, but this company needs this money. I said, I'm sorry, I'm taking a stand on this. You know what happened to him? He got fired. You know what's he doing right now? Looking for a job. You know, I would rather be broke and complete inside than broken inside and wealthy on the outside. Am I making sense? Sometimes your decisions will cost you fire. You'll get fired. Sometimes your decisions will have you in front of lions. But I know God will never, ever abandon you. Now, I'm not saying you won't get thrown to the lions. What I am saying is that they'll become your blankets. They'll be your heaters. Am I making sense? They'll become your pets. What I am telling you is that the fire will set you free. It will not burn you. Am I making sense? They went in there bound up. They came out loose. They came out ready, happy, walking with God. Am I making sense? You need to be able to take the stance and know that when you take your stance, it may have consequences. For me, I'll leave you with one last one. I took a stand that's this, that I will never raise my voice at my wife. You know how hard it is? My wife is strong. Strong is another word for strong. Now, I praise God because she's a godly woman. I'm telling you, she's incredible. When she gets something in her head and I get something in my head, but one day I realized this, man, I don't want my children to grow up looking at mom and dad preaching and then cursing each other. I will never have that. I don't want my kids to see that. Now, it doesn't mean we don't get upset. It just means I will not raise my voice at my wife. Not too long ago, we were there and she said something. And it was those things that she'd say that makes me want to say, uh, uh, this is my stand. But she said something and immediately I was like, uh, all right, yes, hon, all right, sounds good. Now, on the outside, I was saying that. On the inside, I was like, are you kidding me? But then I realized this. This is where I took my stand. And you know what that has done to me? Is blessed my children so much. It has blessed you guys in one way that you don't even know how much it's blessed you. You have to take stands. I don't know what your stand is. For some of you, it's in marriage. Some of you, it's in finances. Some of you, it's in your, in your man, it's in your devotional. Don't brush your teeth unless you do your devotional. See what happens. Nah, but that's too radical. <laughs> Seriously, why not? You ever thought about that? Self-discipleship? That's a topic for another day. When was the last time you self-discipled you? Like you discipled you. I will not eat unless I pray today. I mean, I don't mean like I pray for the food. I mean like I will pray at least 15, 20, 30 minutes. Not just for me. For my family, for my disciples, for my future. Not only that, man. For God's call over my life. Delay your gratification for 15 minutes. When was the last time you said, I will praise God in my life, no matter what goes on. No matter what happens, no matter who, I will praise God. Today, I will rejoice. It's the day that God made. I'm going to be glad today. No matter what, no matter, no matter what, I'm going to be glad. 
If you did that, if you take that kind of stand at work, they'll be like, well, are you taking a stand? They'll notice. They'll realize there's something different about you. Close your eyes, please. Dear God, I thank you because Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego became ten times better than everybody else. According to your word, Lord, and according to your spirit. Today, we want to take stands. I know, Lord, that there's a destiny for each one of these people in front of me. And they want to be holy for that destiny, Lord. They want to be holy because you're holy. We want to be holy because it's worth so much more than the world offers, God. I pray right now, Lord, that there's, that if there's someone here that has been struggling with some things, that they can say, this is where I'm going to take my stand. I will not go down that hole ever again. I will fight, I will fight, I will fight. I pray right now, God, that if there's someone here that is struggling in their emotions, that they could say, I don't care. God is with me. And if God is with me, who or what can be against me? God, if there's someone here that has fear in their spirit of someone leaving them, that they could say, I'm going to take my stand and I will not be afraid. If there's someone here that has a job, a wonderful job that they care and love, I pray that they have the, the strength to be able to say, I love this job, but I love you, Jesus, so much more. Give me the wisdom to be a light, but never allow me to sell myself at a discounted rate. Dear God, you paid the greatest price for my life. I pray right now, Lord, for any cell leader in here, that they would realize that the call of God over their lives is so much more valuable than anything else that they could ever have or feel. I pray God right now that every woman in this place, women, you're worth so much. God is putting in my heart to tell you to take a stand. Take a stand. Take a stand. There are areas in your life that you need to take a stand. Take a stand. Do not allow the enemy to have a field day with you anymore. Take a stand. God is with you. He will be with you no matter what, no matter who. All the days of your life, take a stand. Dear God, I pray right now that these women will become walking testimonies of the living God, of the power of God. Dear God, I pray that we will not be just nice people, God, but radical people, God, that know when to say yes and when to say no. Dear God, I thank you because I know that there are some people in here that already began taking stands, but I ask you, Lord, now that you would fortify them, that you make them stronger. God, I pray, Lord, that you give them the ability, Lord, to impact other people and influence others that they too would take stands. Jesus, I thank you because you took your stand. And you said, if it's possible, God, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to do this, but let not my will be done but yours. And I thank you, Jesus, for doing that, for taking that stand and saying, it is your will, God, above mine. I thank you for today. I thank you for what you're going to do. And if someone here would remember this, God, when it least counts, when it seems like it least counts, God, that you would watch their decision, that you would observe and watch your kids be found approved before your eyes. We love you so much. We cannot wait to see what's coming. God, we could tell you this. We're strong foundations. You could pile it on. Bring it, God. We want to grow. We want more. We want to see blessings and miracles in our families. God, we want to see the finances flow in through our hands, not into our hands, God. 
God, I pray right now, Lord, that you grow, grow, that our entire families, God, would be, would be saved, that they would be praising you, God. I pray, Lord God, that in our jobs, in our job sites, God, in our work, I pray, God, that there would be revival breaking out, God, in offices left and right, God, that in Starbucks there would be praise and worship. It sounds like a Chick-fil-A in there, God. I pray right now, Lord, that you would just change atmospheres through your children, God, that the stands that men and women take, God, will be simply that a stand in a cafeteria awaiting for the lions to roar for the fire to get hotter god i know lord that you're with us all the days of our lives and when we stand in front of you we'll be able to say jesus thank you so much for walking by my side i was with you and i cannot wait to do the rest of eternity with you in your name i pray amen amen give god a round of applause guys